Hello and welcome to Who's He at the Movies. Now this time I've opted for a film that may be familiar to you. 1970's The Man Who Haunted Himself. Starring Roger Moore, this psychological thriller tells the tale of Harold Pelham, a successful company director, husband and father, and general all-round dull and boring man, a creature of habit, if you will. Yes, I know, Roger Moore playing dull and boring. But driving home one night, he suddenly has a change of personality. Beginning to drive recklessly, he suffers a high-speed crash and ends up in hospital. Whilst on the operating table, he briefly dies, and when the surgeons bring him back from the dead, momentarily there are two heartbeats on the monitor. After recovering, Pelham was accused by friends and colleagues of being in places, making company decisions and having conversations that he has no memory of. As his life unravels around him, he finally discovers exactly who's been changing his very existence. It's difficult to go into great detail about this film without ruining it if you haven't seen it before. To be honest, I think you could probably guess what happens, and if I made a comparison between this film and the Star Trek episode The Enemy Within, you know exactly where I'm going with this. But let's have a bit of background to how this film got made. This movie was the first to be greenlit by actor, writer and film director Brian Forbes, who was made the head of EMI Films in 1969. Now, Brian Forbes was one of the most important figures in British film in the 60s and 70s, and one of his biggest achievements was directed the thriller The Stepford Wives in 1975. But while I say Brian Forbes was an important figure of British film, his tenure at EMI was not entirely successful. Forbes had big plans to change the fortunes of the struggling British film industry by making EMI into a more traditional studio system with a whole raft of films on its slate. Under his stewardship, EMI had successes with films such as The Railway of Children and The Tales of Beatrix Potter. But unfortunately, it also had a number of box office flops, such as Hoffman starring Peter Sellers and the thriller And Soon the Darkness. And with that, Brian Forbes left EMI in 1971. But anyway, back to the man who haunted himself. Forbes gave the job of directing this film to legendary British film director Basil Dearden. Dearden directed and worked on many classic films such as Dead of Night, The Blue Lamp, which gave birth to the very long-running British TV series Dixon of Doc Green, Victim and Cartoon. After this movie, he also went to direct three episodes of The Persuaders, which Roger Moore went on to star in after completing The Man Who Haunted Himself. Unfortunately, The Man Who Haunted Himself was to be the last film that Basil Dearden directed as he was killed in a car crash in 1971, which sadly echoed what happened to Roger Moore's character in this film. Now, critics have been rather sniffy of Dearden's output over the years, often referring to his directing style as pedestrian. But for this film, I rather like his direction. It's a very slow build to the reveal of exactly what is happening to Harold Pelham, and I admire Dearden's patience. It would be too easy to quickly reveal Pelham's antagonist and have the remainder of the film with Pelham just dealing with that. But instead, the film focuses on Pelham's confusion and and paranoia, and and him and his friends and family questioning his sanity. As I said earlier, this is a psychological thriller, not a horror thriller. There's not an ounce of blood, violence or horror on screen. And British cinema of the late 60s and 70s was mainly churning out cheap horror flicks of that nature. So this film, in a way, bucks the trend of what was being made in Britain at the time. However, that's not to say that this isn't a film of its time, because it is. This was 1970, 
and men in wood-panelled ballrooms smoking cigars and drinking brandy and having female secretaries taking dictation was very much a thing. In fact, when I first started work in 1987, that type of business was only just starting to disappear. But it's not just the ballroom that is the domain of men in this film. In 1970, women were secretaries or they stayed at home with the children. And in this film, Pelham's wife Eve, played by Hilgard Neal, is very much in the hello darling hard day at the office mould. But she's given a bit more to do when she suspects her husband of having an affair, but also is in two minds as to whether he's actually telling the truth when he says he has no memory of doing the things he is accused of. Other actors in the film, such as Anton Rogers, Thorley Walters and Edward Mr Grimsdale Chapman, provide reliable support, but are not really given a lot to do other than being part of the furniture amongst all the cigar smoke in the ballroom. However, the glue that really holds this film together is Roger Moore. Forever remembered as Simon Templer and of course James Bond, this is more in between those two iconic roles. And for me, this is probably the best thing he ever did. And he agrees with me. Roger Moore always played suave and sophisticated, the clean-cut hero raising a, a quizzical eyebrow to end the scene. But in his own words, Moore said that in The Man Who Haunted Himself, for the first time in years, he was allowed to act and show some emotion. And he does. I think Roger Moore was a very underrated actor, and I think he also underrated himself. I don't know if he always chose that sort of suave type of role throughout his career, or that was what was always offered to him. And it's a real shame, as here he gets to play a husband and father and also a successful businessman whose world is shattered. Okay, he's still Roger Moore in sharp suits, well, a 1970s version of a sharp suit, living in a nice house and still very upper class. But while Moore's character never really loses that lifestyle, he performs his role extremely well, switching from a man in a fairly dull marriage to being utterly bewildered at being accused of things he hasn't done. Or has he? Well... That is part of the film I don't want to ruin for you. The reveal of who has been taken over Pelham's life is for 1970 extremely well done and I'm not entirely sure how they achieved it with the technology they had at the time. But again Moore plays this scene absolutely brilliantly conveying his utter astonishment and confusion at what he is facing. Seriously I've never seen Roger Moore better. Yeah, I love his Bond films, but I always felt he played Bond very tongue-in-cheek, except for perhaps For Your Eyes Only. But when I first saw this film, I was amazed at just how un-Bond-like he was. But while I really do love this film and Roger Moore's performance, there is one thing that slightly niggles me, and that is never explained how or why what happened to Harold Pelham happened. While a suspension of disbelief is definitely required, and usually is with a film of this genre, some kind of explanation would have been nice. But ultimately, it sort of takes you along with the Harold Pelham character in that the viewer is just as confused as he is. But was this film a success? Well, unfortunately, it also underperformed at the box office along with the other films that Brian Forms Green lit. And you could attribute this to quite a few factors. Poor publicity, the film being rushed into production, a heatwave and a general election. Well, whatever happened, it didn't deserve its fate. It's been reviewed a lot more favourably in recent times, and quite right too. Roger Moore said it was the best film he ever made, which I agree with, and it's a shame it didn't lead to more challenging roles for him. But Bond and Safari suits beckoned Moore and his career then went stratospheric. However, he did continue to make the odd quirky film now and again, such as 1980's North Sea Hijack. Perhaps I'll get around to talking about that film one day, but for now, go and watch The Man Who Haunted Himself. 
You might just end up with a different opinion of Roger Moore altogether. Thank you.